Hello, my supers and spoonies. Thanks for coming and hanging out with me today. I'm glad that you were here. Today, I'm going to be talking about the myth of binary gender. So let's first start by talking about biological sex is not the same as gender. So what causes some confusion in the general public is the use of biological sex and gender as interchangeable terms when they're really not. They don't refer to the same thing. Biological sex is usually determined by your karyotype or your genetics. Um, there are other factors that come into play, and we'll talk about that later. But the brain, body, and reproductive system can be different sexes in the case of legitimate transgender people there where the brain physiology resembles that of the opposite sex or in biological chimeras. So genes are complicated, but biology is talking about our sex. This is how we present physically. Gender um, is mostly used for cultural behaviors, such as what is considered appropriate for dress, what is considered appropriate manners, uh, signs of deference, etc., um, that differentiate between the two sexes. Gender itself is not entirely a social contract uh, construct, as there there are physical differences, but. There's a lot of this that is defined through our folkways, um, which are behaviors that are learned and shared by a social group um, that we often refer to as customs in a group. And they're not really um, morally significant, but they can be super important for social acceptance. Um, and these can vary quite a bit between uh, uh, different cultures, and yet they dictate the way that, that humans behave. And there are a lot of folkways that dictate the, the rules for gender. And it's kind of interesting because when you look at social norms, we break these things down into folkways, moros, taboo, and laws. And the concepts of gender fall into all of these categories. So let's kind of look at that and break that down. So let's start with folkways. And these are those behaviors that are learned and shared by a social group. So folkways are the ways that we are expected to behave. And this is usually with what we would call peer pressure. So this is, you know, pink is for boys sorry pink is for girls and blue is for boys and you know the peer pressure that comes when you when you break that social custom when you break that practice you know the the teasing and the bullying and the shaming that comes when a boy will wear a pink frilly dress or a girl comes in wearing the more traditionally male outfit with the short hair and the big clunky boots and jeans. Um, so then you get into mores, and these are your norms of morality, and these are our concept of what is right or wrong. And there's definitely things that 
is wrapped up in gender. And this is usually when we come into this is, is, is around relationships, like what is ethically okay for, for our relationships, like who we should be having relationships with and who we should be dating and who we should be having sex with is all wrapped up in our cultural mores. And of course, this is absolutely wrapped up in our concepts of this social definition of what gender is. And then you have taboos like these, these, um, absolute forbidden things in society, you know, that, um, they're, they're really negative consequences that come if you violate a social taboo. And depending upon the culture depends on, um, you know, uh, what kind of taboos exist with gender, but they absolutely exist. I mean, you think about the the history of the way that we've looked at menstruation and how men, menstruation was a time that women were set aside and set apart and we look at the way that gay people and their relationships were you know people used to be killed for that you know so there's absolutely taboos in our culture that are wrapped around and centered on our gender and from all of these folkways, mores, and taboos, we often end up with laws surrounding our genders. And again, these social definitions of what gender is. And we still have those today. I mean, we have laws about who can get married. We have laws about um, whether or not you know, transgendered people can go into which bathrooms. We have laws about all kinds of stuff surrounding gender. And it's kind of fascinating when you think about gender being a social construct. Okay, so why am I 100% convinced that binary gender is a myth? So let's go back to sex, the biology of a human. So our sex is primarily, but not exclusively, determined by our DNA, by our karyotypes. Um, So we know scientifically without question that humans are not born just male or female, that the XXXY is not the only option when we are looking at genetically viable offspring. Um, There are six that are really common that are other options. Um, There's about one in 2000 um, that have Turner syndrome, which is that they only present as X's. Yeah, no, no double X, just one X. Um, then there's people with um, Kyle Flinter. Sorry, I'm not sure how to say that syndrome. And they are XXY. And they're right around one in 1000. So that's pretty common. Um, 
I mean, obviously you have XX and XY, which are the most common uh, genetic presentations, but you also have XYY, which is roughly one in a thousand, and you have a triple X and a Y, which is roughly one in 18,000. I mean, there's lots and lots of variations. And what's really astounding to me in all of this is that about one in 100 people, so about 1% of the human population is what we call intersexed. So these are people who scientifically are not the classic XX or XY, that they have some other type of genetic presentation, which we, we define as intersexed. So if 1% of the human population is genetically intersexed, that absolutely eliminates the myth that there's only two possibilities of gender. Because to make things even more complicated, you end up with, with things that like uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome, um, where the mother's biology will affect the development of a fetus. And this is where you can end up with an individual who has the genetic XY and ends up presenting XX. And this is because the of one of two factors. Either the mother is incapable of providing the fetus with the testosterone necessary to trigger the testosterone cascade to um, produce a male offspring, or the fetus is insensitive to testosterone and despite the presence of testosterone, does not become a male fetus. Or becomes something in between and we see um, a, a partial androgen insensitivity syndrome where the testosterone has some effect on sex development and the genitals are often not what we would expect for boys or girls by these standard binary gender definitions. So the reality is, is in the world of um, biology, sex is complicated and a lot of gray. There isn't this black or white one or the other option. And so when we think about the fact that our biology would have this degree of variability, it only makes sense that our gender should also have a corresponding degree of variability because of course, the human mind, which is driven by our biology, would be as diverse as our genetics. So it's kind of ludicrous to think that our our gender is black and white when our genetics are not. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that we need to get off of this idea that it's an either or option. So I'll include some links that you can look at if you want to learn more about the possibilities for uh, biological um, presentations.